0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla has finally begun offering a bunch of new colors on the Model 3 and Model Y, kind of. Plus, Cyber Beer is on tap for North American Tesla fans, Tesla live-streamed an off-road test of the Cybertruck in some famously difficult conditions, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey joining you for episode 428 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. It is your weekly dose of all things Tesla. This episode's for October 15th, 2023. Both puppies are chilling next to me here, Daisy the Boxer on the couch and just below her laying on some pillows on the floor is Zelina the future service dog. I am feeling good. I've got a very packed show for you, despite the fact that I am recording one night early this week due to the uh, trip to New Mexico I mentioned at the end of last week's show. We're off to go be in the path of totality for Saturday's big solar eclipse. So as always, when I record early, if I happen to miss anything big on Friday, I will cover it for you next week. Although next week is the earnings call. So it's going to be a high bar for anything to end up being a bigger news story than that. But for now, as I said, I've got plenty of fun topics to talk about. And in fact, I will start this week with a random example of Tesla's whole the best part is no part mantra whereby they try to delete parts wherever they can. This is something that's really hammered home in Walter Isaacson's new biography on Elon Musk. But it's something Elon himself has said very publicly many times over the years. Now, this example, maybe this is something that's already known to a lot of people, but it was new to me. So I'll just share the quick anecdote with you. Did you know that the only difference between the repeater cameras on a chrome trim Model 3 and a satin black trim Model 3 is the chrome cover piece? They are the same underneath. So for the switch to black trim that the Model 3 made a few years ago, of course the Model Y has always had the black trim, Tesla just stopped putting the chrome cover piece on the repeater camera housings. There isn't a separate satin black cover piece on there. It's just the naked camera housing assembly. So boom, two parts deleted on every single Model 3 that's been made since, what, 2021, I think, is when they made that switch. So I I learned that over the past week when I I told you last week about how I got my default, or I should say, excuse me, faulty, uh, not default, my faulty left repeater camera replaced. And uh, I was so impressed by the clarity of the image that when you turn the left turn signal on at night, there was no bleeding into the display from the, the turn signal. Whereas on the old version, the whole top third of it is just covered in this blooming orange light that's kind of annoying. So I decided to just go ahead and pay out of pocket this week to have the right one replaced. It also, they also didn't match because I had the the chrome cover, chrome deleted that has the little Tesla T logo on it. So I had a plain one on the left side and then the chrome deleted one with the T logo on the right side. So for both the both pure vanity reasons and also to eliminate the blinker light bleeding on both sides, instead of just one side, I had the right one replaced. In fact, just today, just this morning, as I record Tesla Mobile Service came out again, they were in and out in 10 minutes at the most, because they just popped that repeater camera off, plug in the new one, they hop in the car, test it to make sure it works, recalibrate the cameras, Uh, which of course happens when I drive the car, they just hit the reset, you know, the calibrate camera button and they're done. They're out of there. So, uh, I am very thrilled to now have the newer revision part on both sides. So I have a nice clear image when the, when either turn signal is on at night. So very silly first world thing, but as I've said before, I plan on keeping the car for a while. It's why I've got the X Care extended warranty, which covered part of the the left one minus the $100 deductible. And I ended up paying, I guess, well, I, I paid $100 out of pocket for that. I paid, and I just voluntarily paid totally out of pocket on this other one. And now uh, I'm happy. It feels really good. Anyway, I just thought that was a fun little anecdote about how Tesla... implements that whole best part is no part philosophy. Next this week, I wanted to read one final book excerpt from you from Walter Isaacson's 615-page authorized biography on Elon Musk. This is the last one. I've done this, what, the last three, maybe even four weeks. So plenty of samples if you are liking these, these excerpts, certainly go pick up the book, it's available anywhere books are stole, sold, it's all over airports, any bookstore, any any of course digital uh, online bookstore, whether it's Apple or what have you, Amazon, etc. So this one, speaking of deleting parts, is about deleting radar from the cars. So this is from January of 2021, it's chapter 66. And I'll read you a little bit here. Now, this is something that we all have, a lot of us have lived through this. I still have radar in my car, although it was turned off. And so I guess in in one way or another, all of us have been affected by this decision if we use autopilot, as I think many of you listening do. So here you go. The question of whether to use radar in its autopilot system for self-driving cars rather than relying solely on visual data from cameras remained a contentious one at Tesla. It also became a case study of Musk's style of decision-making, oscillating between bold, stubborn, reckless, visionary, guided by the first principles of physics, but at times surprisingly flexible. He had initially been somewhat open-minded on the issue. When the Tesla Model S was upgraded in 2016, that's referring to Autopilot 2, when they moved on from Mobileye, He reluctantly allowed the autopilot team to use a forward-facing radar in addition to the car's eight cameras. And he authorized his engineers to have a program to build its own radar system, known as Phoenix. But by the beginning of 2021, the use of radar was causing problems. The microchip shortages arising from COVID meant that Tesla's suppliers could not provide enough of them. Plus, the Phoenix system that Tesla was building in-house was not working well. Quote, we have a choice, Musk declared in a fateful meeting early that January. We can shut down car production. We can make Phoenix work right away, or we can remove radar entirely. End quote. There was no doubt which option he preferred. Quote, we should be able to kick, B-U-T-T, except it's the other word, on this with a pure vision solution. Not requiring radar and vision to identify the same object is a mega game changer. Some of his top team, especially automotive president Jerome Guillen, pushed back. Deleting radar, he argued, would be unsafe. Radar could detect objects not easily visible to a camera or the human eye. A meeting was scheduled for the entire team to debate the issue and make a decision. After all the arguments were aired, Musk paused for about 40 seconds. Quote, I'm pulling the plug, he finally said. Delete radar. Guillen continued to push back, and Musk got coldly angry. If you won't remove it, he said, I will get someone else who will. On January 22, 2021, he sent out an email, quote, Going forward, turn off radar, it said. It's a terrible crutch. I'm not kidding, and it's clear that camera-only driving is working well. Guillen soon left the company. Musk's decision to delete radar sparked a public debate, A deeply reported New York Times investigation by Katie Metz and Neil Boudet revealed that many Tesla engineers had deep misgivings. Quote, unlike technologists at almost every other company working on self-driving vehicles, Mr. Musk insisted that autonomy could be achieved solely with cameras, they wrote. But many Tesla engineers questioned whether it was safe enough to rely on cameras without the benefit of other sensing devices and whether Mr. Musk was promising drivers too much about autopilot's capabilities." Edward Niedermeyer, who had written a critical book on Tesla titled "Ludicrous," unleashed a thread of tweets, "...improvements to common driver assistance systems is moving the industry toward more radar, and even more novel modalities like LiDAR and thermal imaging," he wrote. "...Tesla, in a marked contrast, is moving backwards." And Dan O'Dowd, a software security entrepreneur, took out a full page ad in the New York Times calling Tesla's self-driving system, quote, the worst software ever sold by a Fortune 500 company, end quote. We could get into Dan another time, but that's (laughs) we're focusing on the book excerpt here. Tesla had long been a target of investigations by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and these picked up after the 2021 removal of radar. In a study, it recorded 273 accidents by Tesla drivers using some level of driver assist systems, five of which resulted in deaths. It also opened an investigation into 11 Tesla crashes with emergency vehicles. Musk was convinced that bad drivers rather than bad software were the main reason for most of the accidents. At one meeting, he suggested using data collected from the car's cameras, one of which is inside the car and focused on the driver to prove when there was driver error. One of the women at the table pushed back, quote, We went back and forth with the privacy team about that, she said. We cannot associate the selfie streams to a specific vehicle, even when there's a crash, or at least that's the guidance from our lawyers, end quote. Musk was not happy. The concept of privacy teams did not warm his heart. Quote, I am the decision-maker at this company, not the privacy team, he said. I don't even know who they are. They are so private, you never know who they are, end quote. There were some nervous laughs. Quote, Perhaps we can have a pop-up where we tell people that if they use FSD, we will collect data in the event of a crash, he suggested. Would that be okay? The woman thought about it for a moment, then nodded. As long as we are communicating it to customers, I think we're okay with that. Although stubborn... Musk can be brought around by evidence. He was adamant about eliminating radar in 2021 because its technical quality at the time did not provide enough resolution to add meaningful information to a vision system. However, he did agree to allow his engineers to continue their Phoenix program to see if they could develop a better radar technology. Lars Moravi, Musk's head of vehicle engineering, put a Danish-born engineer named Pete Schotzoff, I I guarantee I've uh, assaulted that that na- last name. I'm sorry, Pete. It put Pete in charge. Quote, Elon's not against radar, Moravi says. He's just against bad radar. Scheutzow's, okay, I think I've got it now. Scheutzow's team developed a radar system that focused on cases where a human driver might not be able to see something. Quote, you may be right, Musk said. And he secretly signed off on trying out the new system in the more expensive Model S And this is actually an error in the book. It should say Model X here, but it says Model Y. Quote, It's a Musk much more sophisticated radar than general automotive radar, Musk says. It's what you would see in a weapons system. It creates a picture of what's going on rather than just getting a ping back, end quote. Did he really plan to put it in Tesla's high-end cars? Quote, It's worth experimenting. I'm always open to evidence from physics experiments. So I thought that was a particularly interesting passage, not just because it gives us the behind the scenes on that, the internal team debate on deleting radar, but it also brings up the Phoenix HD radar that we know is in the, we already knew is in the Model S, the new Model S and the Model X. It doesn't answer the question, however, of will Tesla ever do anything with the Phoenix HD radar that's on the new S's and X's? That's a huge question that I personally have, and I'm sure many of you do too, particularly those of you who have purchased a new Model S or new Model X. I suppose once someone figures out whether or not the Cybertruck has the Phoenix HD radar as well, then that will probably give us a pretty good idea of our answer on on that and whether or not Tesla intends to ever do anything with the Phoenix system. So there you go. Uh, Again, pick up the Isaacson biography if you are interested in reading the rest of it. Before I get started with the bulk of this week's Tesla news, I've got another appetizer for you. The V4 supercharger rollout has finally begun here in the United States. As of this recording, there are three V4 stations currently under construction. One is at the Nevada Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada, just outside of Reno, of course. One is in Wilsonville, Oregon. Credit to Portland resident Cabby. That's the username there from the TMC forum for the find on that one. And the third is in Prattville, Alabama. Those are, you know, two of those locations. One of them, the Gigafactory, you would think, yes, that makes perfect sense for one of the first V4 superchargers, particularly since the Tesla Semi and, uh, excuse me, the Tesla Cybertruck will no doubt be spending time up there because it's one of the, the home Tesla facilities. But those other two, Oregon and Alabama, you probably wouldn't have guessed those on the first try, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, What I am curious about is how long it's gonna take for the V3s to stop being built altogether. Is it gonna be three months? Is it six months? Could it be a year? I mean, Tesla does tend to move fast, we know that. But it's tough to know on this one. I mean, I feel like when I look back on the switch from V2 to V3, that the V3s displace the V2s pretty quickly. So we'll see if that happens with this one. I mean, here, I'll give you, before I move on, I'll give you one very visible example. What about the supercharger drive in diner that is under construction right now in Hollywood? Is that going to have V4s or V3s? I mean, you would think that Tesla would want the latest and greatest for that one, since that one's going to get a lot of attention and, for all intents and purposes, be. A, if not the flagship supercharger in North America. I will be very curious to find out as construction continues on that drive-in diner in Hollywood. One more super fun thing here before I get started with this week's main Tesla news stories. This just happened today, Thursday, as I record as well. Tesla has launched a new website with a new product, one that I have ordered and definitely plan to enjoy and perhaps you might as well, and that is CyberBeer. Yes, the the close cousin of GigaBeer, in fact, it appears to be the same thing, more on that in a second. CyberBeer, if you go, you might wanna pause this right now and head on over to cyberbeer.tesla.com to check it out. Thank you very much, by the way, to Ride the Lightning listener, Aaron, whose username on X is TeslaJedi. Aaron gave me the heads up on this via X. And taking a look at the product page, this is the description. Cheers, sip, repeat. The Tesla Cyber Beer and Cyberstein, yes, limited edition set celebrates the angular exoskeleton of Cybertruck, includes two bottles of Tesla Cyber Beer, a Hellas lager with European noble hops, Zaz and hollertau Mittelfrü, some German words there for you, accentuated by notes of herb and spice and more notable aromas of tea and citrus, each bottle features a gloss black sleeve with a cyber beer watermark, in parentheses, that looks even better chilled, which is a, a little hint that there's a sort of a hidden icon on there, which if you take a close look at the picture, you can see that it is it's the ha ha yes hedgehog, but he's, he's got a, he's got a, a beer stein in his hand. The two matte black ceramic beersteins were glazed and fired to mirror the form of the cyber truck and finished with a gloss interior and signature Tesla logo must be 21 years old to purchase. Each box contains two cyber beers and two cyber steins. The ingredients are premium German malts, noble hops and water brewed and bottled in California by BuzzRock Brewing Company. Note, orders will begin shipping in late October of 2023. So, uh, I think this should taste about the same as the original Giga Beer from Germany. Since the ingredients all appear to be the same German ingredients, it's just being brewed by a, and bottled by a California brewery. Not unlike how if you look at Really any imported beer, whether it's Guinness or I don't know, Beck's or or any of those, if you look on the label, it'll say like imported by so and so in Stamford, Connecticut, or something like that. So I suspect the, the taste should be very close, if not exact, to the actual German Gigabier, which I have had the pleasure of tasting. So I'm I'm very eager to get mine and give them a taste, these these uh domestic versions here from the u s and California, but the reason that I bought this honestly because it 's not cheap it 's one hundred and fifty bucks, which was honestly at the very upper limit of what I was willing to pay if it didn't have the cybersteins i would I would not have bothered since I have had the pleasure already, which I realize not many people have of having the Giga beer from Germany, but one hundred and fifty dollars but uh, the, the, the steins are what I'm excited about here. I will honestly use them regularly beyond just the cyber beer. And I will add, there's also available a $50 stainless steel cyber opener. Yes, it is a bottle opener that's kind of wedge-shaped like the Cybertruck. That one was a bridge too far for me. I already feel like I wasted $50 on another small hunk of Cybertruck-shaped stainless steel back when the Cyber Whistle came out. And I just was not in a mood to spend $50 bucks on a bottle opener when I have a perfectly good, cheap one in my kitchen junk drawer over there. Uh and I and plus the fact that I just spent $150 on the two beers and the two Steins by themselves. So anyway, hopefully this is not sold out by the time you hear this. Most of you will start hearing this on Sunday. As of now, like it's not a thing that's sold out instantaneously. I'm on the website right now, here late, late on Thursday night, and it is still available. So hopefully you're able to get your hands on it. If you're interested, again, you can go to cyberbeer.tesla.com. I would recommend though that you act quickly if you are interested, because you kind of never know with these Tesla products, you know, the, the non-car products, they do tend to sell out fast. And this was advertised as a limited thing, so there, there's not going to just be an endless supply of it. All right, I hope all of you who are very kindly and generously backing me on Patreon at that popular $10 a month tier enjoy this week's lightning round mini episode, which I do every single week on Patreon it was about my recap on the event i went to last night at a local bookstore that was a it was a conversation with e- the aforementioned Elon Musk biographer Walter Isaacson he was interviewed for a little over an hour by a local journalist and it was a it was a really interesting chat it was it was kind of it was neat to hear walter's perspective on reporting on elon for two years just embedding with the guy in his daily life mostly for for two years there so i talked about that on this week's lightning round mini episode there are now 67 of those i believe so if you'd like to hear all of them plus any all the rest of them that i'm going to do every week moving forward you can go on to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's my Patreon page. And if you are kind enough to uh, submit a pledge at that $10 per month tier or higher, you will get access to every single one of the lightning rounds, both past, present, and future. I kindly remind you that there's also a seven-day free trial for that $10 a month tier. So if you'd like to just sign up on that 7-day free trial, you can get a you can just kind of get a taste of of what being a Patreon backer of mine is like. You'll get the early access to each week's episode in fact in in this case, this one, the Patreon backers got it a day early than they even normally get it. They got it on late Thursday night. So um you know, I try to try to say thank you on Patreon to those of you who are kind enough to support me there with the the early access and then at that $10 tier, the early access and those weekly lightning round episodes. All right, let's get to the big story this week, the headline story. Tesla is now offering their own wraps for 2023 and newer Model 3s and Model Ys. The Tesla shop page for this was first discovered by Holmar's blog, that's Omar if you don't know his real name, over on X, so tip of the cap to Omar there. The official shop page description for this reads as follows, wrap your Model 3 or Model Y in one of our premium color wraps only available through Tesla, offered in seven exclusive colors this self-healing urethane based film protects the paint beneath from chips scratches and swirling purchase price includes cost of materials and installation currently participating tesla service centers include west covina california and carlsbad california note available for 2023 plus model 3 and model y vehicles and then later Tesla adds in the frequently asked questions portion of the Tesla shop site, which I dug into. There's this little note as well. Wrap installation time will vary. Installation may take five to seven business days from the time that you drop off your vehicle. Okay, so lots to cover here. And let's start with the question that you're probably screaming at your device right now that you're listening to this on. What are the seven colors, Ryan? Well, here you go. You can choose from Glacier Blue, Forest Green, Satin Rose Gold, Slip Gray, Satin Ceramic White, Satin Stealth Black, and Crimson Red. And a clear wrap, aka paint protection film over the whole car like I have, is available for $5,000. Glacier Blue. So, uh, so, you know, this isn't this is not a visual medium here on podcast. So, I'll give you a quick description of these, in the event that you're not in a a spot where you can go on online and take a look at the colors for yourself. Glacier Blue is like an ice blue, which I would classify as very unique to any paint color that Tesla has ever offered. Their original blue was. So dark blue that it was almost black in all but direct sunlight. And the current blue that they've had for, gosh, since 2015. So it's we're on eight years of the current Tesla blue. That is a long time. My goodness. That's uh, you know, more of kind of a royal blue, just uh yeah, kind of I think that's royal blue is a fair way to describe it. Well, this glacier blue, it's 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 basically white with blue mixed in, right? It's a, it's an ice blue is the best way, you know, the color of a glacier as is, as is the name. Forest green is a very beautiful, darker green, kind of a, you know, not, maybe not far off from British racing green, but I think when I say forest green, you know, you picture an evergreen tree, you know, you know, the green that I'm talking about here. Again, it's dark, but not as dark as the, borderline black green paint color that tesla offered for a pretty short time when the model s very first launched 2012 2013 where the i believe maybe early 2014 was the last time that you could get the original tesla green on a model s it did not last long enough to even be offered on the model x satin rose gold I would say is not unlike the rose gold iPhone color or Apple Watch color. If you've seen either of those, that's probably a common touch point for for a lot of you to picture that. That one, not my personal cup of tea, but again, I will say to its credit, it is unique to anything that Tesla has offered before. Slip Gray is definitely needs a description because that's a pretty vague name. I would describe it like a battleship gray, uh, almost a primer gray. Although I, I realize saying primer gray is is almost kind of an insult, and I don't mean it <laughs> in an insulting way, but that's kind of the gray. It's like a it's a primer gray, kind of battleship gray, primer gray. Satin ceramic white. This is the one where, of all of these, this is the one that's really doesn't make a lot of sense to me because. It looks like what you'd get if you just put a clear satin paint protection film over Tesla's existing pearl white multi-coat paint, which, okay, I guess if, you know, if you already have a white car, a white Tesla, as many, many people do, since it was the default, you know, the free quote unquote free color for a long time up until recently, you might think, Okay, well I'm that I like my white, but I would love a, you know, satin version of it. Sure, you you could you could go that route. Um but yeah, you'd be you'd be wrapping a white car with white paint protection film, but in any case, maybe you have a black back a Tesla from back when the black paint was the was the default and maybe it's got some swirls, some scratches or or maybe because you know, it's black paint, because it tends to show everything. That's that's the reason I say that. Or maybe just because it tends to show everything, maybe you're tired of it and want to just do a 180. And hey, that satin ceramic white sounds good. So that's an option to, for you as well. And then two more satin stealth black. That is a matte black, not unlike one of the three original alpha prototypes that were on stage. At the reveal of the Model 3 back on March 31st of 2016, it is it is a matte black Model 3. So if he's listening, because I know he does listen, shout out to Marquez Brownley MKBHD, because this is the one. Uh, now he's got a he's got a Model S, and I think he's already wrapped it <laughs> in matte black. But if Marquez had uh, had a 2023. Model 3 or Model Y, uh, I imagine he would be very interested in this particular one. And then finally, Crimson Red. So, from the website, which again, I'm going off of renders on a website. These are I'm not going off of actual photographs of these, nor, of course, I'm not seeing them with my own eyes in real life yet, because these don't really publicly exist yet. So, forgive me if the final product in real life ends up looking a bit different than my descriptions paint them to be here. And I am, I'm applying that more than any of the other ones to this crimson red because the crimson red looks fairly ultra red ish to me. Not that that's a bad thing uh, because currently the three and the Y cannot get ultra red. So, I mean, if I, if my, you know, my Model 3 is not eligible, it's a 2018, I don't know why Tesla's only doing this on the 2023s, but if my car were a 2023, would I spend the money, which I'm going to tell you in a second, would I spend the money on to kind of make it look ultra red with this crimson red wrap? No, I don't think I would. I don't think I would cover my multi-coat red car with crimson red wrap, but know that's just me you may feel very differently that's the beauty of the color of a car paint color or in this case wrap color it's completely subjective my favorite thing might be hideous to you and your favorite thing might not be my cup of tea either so let's get to pricing slip gray that's the primer gray battleship gray and the satin stealth black meaning the basically the matte black those are seventy-five hundred dollars on either car, and again, that's that's the final price. Although I think there's tax, sales tax on that, but that's that's parts, labor, installation. It's the whole the whole thing with again, except I think for sales tax, seventy-five hundred for those two. The other six are or excuse me, the other five. There's there's seven total, not eight. The other five are $8,000 on either car. Uh, Now I will note, Tesla does wrap the door jams for you as well, which is honestly very nice, especially at the price they're charging, because if you were to spend this money, and let's say you're, you're going with a total opposite situation, let's say, let me go back to my example a minute ago, maybe you got a black Model 3, because, well, I guess, again, this is only applicable to 2023, so it would have had to have been a recent decision when black wasn't. All right, let's say you went with Midnight Silver Metallic, because that's the free color right now. Let's say you went with that, and you just, you know, you're seeing lots of them on the road, and you're just not feeling it, and you're thinking, you know what? I want to go with the Crimson Red. Well, thankfully, they will wrap the door jams for you, so that when you open the door you don't have a crimson red outside. And then the entire like inside of the door frame is, is midnight silver metallic. So that is good that Tesla includes that. Now I couldn't find out what kind of warranty Tesla is offering on these. I I looked, I poured over the entire, everything I could find, which was uh, two or three different pages on their website about this did not find anything there. So, um, you know, take that with just a grain of salt. There hopefully is a warranty, but I don't know the details of it. But I will add that, fortunately, in terms of the cost and the longevity, fortunately, these are not vinyl wraps. They are, in fact, colored paint protection film, which means it should last a lot longer than vinyl would. A vinyl wrap, according to professional detailers, is, is kind of a, a three to five year situation. And after that, it's, it kind of needs to be taken off the car and, and redone. So these should last a good bit longer, which is good because these are not cheap, right? This is, this is a good bit of money. Now the, the warranty question aside, I will say, I think it is pretty cool that Tesla's offering these though maybe it's less cool for southern california area professional car detailers. Obviously the one professional car detailer I know is up here in my neck of the woods in the San Francisco Bay Area. I texted Jeff McGovern of Immaculate Reflections about when I when this first popped up earlier this week and he texted back saying he didn't weigh in on it. He just texted back saying, "Oh yeah, the 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 detailer forums." where all the car detailers chat with each other are are blowing up about this. So clearly there is some discussion had, and understandably so, going on in, in the professional detailer circles. And I have to presume that at some point, probably sooner rather than later, that this will expand to other regions. Maybe not everywhere, necessarily. I mean, there basically has to be training involved to do this well. I mean, that's what makes a professional detailer a professional. They they make it look so good, so seamless and they do it in a reasonable amount of time. They're not they're not an amateur that's maybe taking like a month to like do doing a, a panel a week kind of thing. There is a reason that professional detailers charge what they charge is cuz they're they're experts at doing this in an, in a, in a really beautiful professional way. But uh beyond that, I imagine in terms of expanding this out, that Tesla might only target the areas where there are higher concentrations of Teslas, meaning that they could do enough of these wraps to make it worthwhile to them versus necessarily rolling it out to every single service center. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope they do so that every Tesla owner has this available to them if they want. But I, I could see a scenario where some of the, you know, less population dense areas where Tesla, I guess maybe that, maybe it's, maybe that's kind of a moot point because Tesla only really opens service centers in places where they have high enough concentrations of cars. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm editing myself on the fly here. Forget that part. But in any case, $7,500 to $8,000, depending on the wrap, starting out in Southern California for now. Before I continue with the news this week, there's a Cybertruck story up next. A reminder that Ride the Lightning is brought to you in part this week by Oracle NetSuite. Business owners, tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Your business gets to a certain size. The cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you... You should know these three numbers. You may have them memorized by now after you're hearing this the last few weeks. 36,000, 25, and one. So the 36,000, that is the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that is the age NetSuite turns this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less close their books in days, not weeks and drive down costs. And the number one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. As I've said, I'm a one-man show today, but moving forward, who knows? Maybe one day, if Ride the Lightning keeps growing, it'll turn into its own company with a team, and if and when that day comes, I will look to NetSuite to help make managing my business easier by keeping all of my most important business tasks in one place. Right now, though, for you, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist Designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash lightning. That's netsuite.com slash lightning to get your own KPI checklist. N E T S U I T E dot com slash lightning. Also, Accelerate Auto and their X Care plan. Like I told you last week, I, I utilized my X Care extended service plan for the second time. So I've had the policy for, gosh, I guess three or four months now, something like that. Yeah, right after my factory warranty was up at the end of July. So wait, August, September? Yeah, I guess it's been about three months or so. And this is the second time I've used it. Unfortunately, both times have been for minor things, but Xcare can protect against major things as well. I mean, it does, but on top of that, you can opt for a battery and drivetrain coverage plan as part of your Xcare extended warranty. So obviously, if anything were to happen to your battery out of warranty, that would be the one that would put you in a really tough spot financially if you were faced with that five-figure bill to deal with a battery. And so that is an option. You don't have to get that battery and drivetrain coverage with your X care plan, but you can if you want to. So uh check them out. If like me you're planning on holding on to your Tesla for the time to- a time well past its factory warranty period. Head on over to accelerateauto.com/slash X care that's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O.com slash X-C-A-R-E and don't forget to use the discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off your policy purchase. Okay, let me pick up where I left off. Yes, there is more to that Tesla wrap story and it concerns the Cybertruck. So if you're curious, as many of you no doubt are, Once again, Omar from Holmar's blog appears to have gotten tipped off by somebody at Tesla with regard to whether or not the Cybertruck will also have, well, not factory, but service center installed wraps available to customers because he tweeted, quote, yes, it will be offered on the Cybertruck as well when it launches. So I wanna pause right here and say, I will be the first to admit that I was wrong about this. I do my best to get it right, but I don't always get it right, and I got it wrong here. When we first started seeing the engineering prototype Cybertrucks running around with wraps, people in the community wondered if it meant that Tesla was gonna offer them when the truck actually came out. And I said on this podcast, I was of the opinion that I thought it was just the engineers out there having a bit of fun, but that Tesla probably wouldn't want to bog down the service centers with big, long detailing jobs like this, you know? So I I will admit, I definitely read that one wrong, but I am happy to be wrong, because this is going to be a nice option for Cybertruck owners to have, to have some easy customization solutions if they want to pursue it. Now, I say easy, it won't be cheap, But I say easy because, of course, every Cybertruck owner will have customization options. All they have to do is take it to a professional detailer. But booking an appointment in your Tesla app at your nearest service center and just choosing from a menu of pre-selected wraps from Tesla would make that process much easier and more painless for a lot of people that maybe, you know, they're just looking for more of a turnkey solution there. As I have said, I will be keeping mine in its original naked stainless steel form, as I'm sure all of you either have guessed or are sick of hearing at this point. As I, as I've said, for me, the stainless steel body is literally the reason that I am buying it because I otherwise have no need for a truck. So the stainless steel, it is that is the draw for me. I I have to get back. You know, I've I owned the first stainless steel vehicle. So I want to own the next one that's ever been made as well. Uh, Speaking of the menu available, by the way, I think it's now reasonable to presume that the wraps that we've been seeing on the released candidate Cybertrucks are in fact a sneak preview of what will end up being available to customers. That means the black and white camouflage, the digital camouflage, and... Okay, well, for legal reasons Tesla might not sell the F- the Ford F150 Lightning wrap or the Toyota Tundra wrap that they have uh, shown in public. But for sure, the two camouflage options and one other one that I'll tell you about in the next story are almost certainly going to be available to you when uh, you if you when you get your Cybertruck and if you want to get it wrapped. And that first rap that, that we saw out on the streets, which was the black and white camouflage one. I saw so many comments on so many Twitter threads, Reddit threads, YouTube videos, etc., where a lot of people said, boy, I really like it with this rap. Like I think it looks better with this rap. So that, that one I think is going to be popular with a lot of people. And, uh, And good. I mean, I'm glad you'll have the easy option from Tesla to go ahead and choose that camouflage wrap. Now, the uh, bottom line on this for me is, again, I would not have expected this, given that it can take, by Tesla's own admission, up to five to seven business days at the service center to do this, which those service centers are already pretty busy in a lot of areas. But what I suspect is that Tesla likely sees this as a long-term play, and that's why they're doing a trial run of it in Southern California. That'll be the control group. They'll see how it goes, and then they'll apply learnings from those pilot service centers to future areas that they make the wraps available in. It's not cheap, certainly, which means that inherently a lot of people are not gonna bother with this, because it is a, you know, you you paid... 40 something, 40 to 50,000, depending whether you're doing, you know, which three, which why you're getting, but you know, you're spending, let's just call it 50 grand, uh, give or take on a car. Are you going to spend another eight on a wrap? I mean, that's a lot of money and it's not cheap and it's not going to be for everyone. But again, more options are a good thing. It's always, it's nice to see Tesla give its customers more choices to customize their cars. And as I said, it is a paint protection film and a change of color all in one. So I'm not saying it's not worth it. You are, you are getting something pretty tangible out of it. You're getting the protection for your actual paint and you're getting a, one of these seven colors of your choice here compared to the the five colors of paint that Tesla offers with three of those being grayscale and only two colors outside of grayscale, of course, being blue and red. Uh, Let's stay on the Cybertruck topic here for a minute, though. Tesla has launched a new account on X, aka the artist formerly known as Twitter. They've launched a new X account for the Cybertruck. So if you are an X user, you can follow at Cybertruck if that's of interest to you. Its very first post, the account's first post, was in my opinion, a humorous one. It was nothing but a single emoji and that emoji was a triangular ruler emoji, AKA a polygon. But the second post is a bit more serious and it's one that you might find interesting. You might wanna go look it up and check it out. It is a seven plus minute video of two Cybertrucks caravanning in Baja, Mexico. And here's where the rap story comes back in. They both have wraps, or at least on the side of the truck, it's not a full vehicle wrap, but on, al- running on, along the sides of the truck, it says Cybertruck in giant letters across the whole side of it in the graffiti font that we have come to be familiar with with the, with the Cybertruck. And again, they are running. It's, it's a seven plus minute video of two of them just blasting their way through the notoriously tough off-road conditions of Baja. And I, I watched it. I listened to it. And we hear from one of the Tesla employees, presumably an engineer that's in the passenger seat. That's, that's operating the, uh, the iPad that's, that's broadcasting the video or iPhone, whatever, or whatever it is, but the device that's, that's actually doing the broadcast. And at one point he says, these trucks are hardcore. They're super fun, super durable. The only issues we've had are two flat tires so far. And by so far, he's talking about they are uh, halfway through a 12, actually, I think, no, I think the 1280 miles is halfway because it's all the way down. Baja California down to the tip, down to the very peninsula and then, and then back up. So 1280 miles in one direction. And, uh, it's, it was, it was just kind of cool to watch on, on X later, Tesla's VP of vehicle engineering, who, uh, of course that's, uh, that's Lars Moravi, who I mentioned. I think he was in the book excerpt that I read to you a few minutes ago. He, he tweeted, Amazing work by the whole Tesla team. Baja ain't no joke. Cyber equals truck. And so uh, it's, yeah, Baja, California. And and interestingly, Baja has clearly been a benchmark for the Cybertruck team for a while because back in 2020, Elon Musk tweeted, quote, we're working on increasing dynamic air suspension travel for better off-roading. It needs to kick butt in Baja, end quote. And when you watch the video, it's no joke out there. Even just from the short video that Tesla posted, and they described some of the other arguably tougher terrain that they had already faced. Uh, So check that video out on at Cybertruck on X if you are interested in seeing them uh, out there doing their thing. Speaking of the Cybertruck one more time, the early VIN, one of the first Cybertrucks off the production line that I mentioned one or two episodes ago that was being auctioned off at the Peterson Auto Museums, let's say, I think it's fair to call it a very high roller event. What did I say it was? It was like, it was like 1200 bucks a seat and like, I don't know, a couple grand a table or whatever it was. It was, it was not cheap to get in. And then there was an auction on top of that for one of the first Cybertrucks off the production line. Whenever that happens, to be clear, I saw a lot of, a lot of folks online saying, oh, well, so, so production started, yes. No, 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 that's not what it meant at all. They were effectively auctioning off a JPEG, an, a, a picture of a Cybertruck, which will become real once production actually starts and the winning bid was reportedly $400,000. Now as I recall, I believe I said I thought it would go for at least $250,000 and clearly I would not have ended up on stage with Drew Carey if this had been the price is right. I was well under on that one with my 250k bid if you will. Although I will say in the interests of humor of Elon Musk's sense of humor. It is a shame that the winning bid was not $420,000 or $420,069. That would have been a more humorous outcome, but nevertheless, in all seriousness, if by chance the winner, the person with the winning bid is a listener of this podcast please reach out to me because I would love to have you on the podcast and interview you about that experience, about, about the auction, about your plans for the Cybertruck. I would love to talk to you if you are out there and happen to hear this. Ah, I, I was actually incorrect here. I have one final Cybertruck note. On a Patreon backer suggestion that, that occurred on last weekend's monthly Patreon Zoom hangout, which was a blast once again the hour always flies by. This week's Patreon poll, which again you can vote on for free, you don't have to be a Patreon backer. The poll typically goes up on Tuesday evenings, again on my Patreon page which is found at patreon.com/tesla podcast. So, listener suggestion for the poll this week, and I figured I would just get it get it out there now just in case the Cybertruck launch event gets announced and happens anytime soon, which we hope it does. But the question, the poll question was, what do you think the stock market's reaction to the Cybertruck launch event will be on the next day when the market opens? Because of course, the event's going to be in the evening. 48% of you voted it's going to go up, but not a ton. 31% of you thought the opposite, saying it's going to go down, but not a ton. 11% of you thought it would stay flat. 7% of you thought it's going to go way up. And just 2% of you thought it's going to go way down. Now, the thing about this poll, there's, there's no way to tell what the answer is going to be because we, you know, th- when we think that Tesla's having some awesome thing go on, the the stock market often reacts in a in a very unpredictable way, where it will just not go up or it'll go down. So we'll see what happens. We can we can bookmark this one. We can circle back to this one and see what actually happens if it aligns with the with the vote or not. If it ends up going up but not a ton, that was the winner of this particular poll. All right, next up this week, the Model Y has received a mini refresh of sorts in China. These changes come out of, of course, Giga Shanghai. Now, there aren't any obvious exterior changes that we can tell so far from the photos that have been posted of the cars online, to this point at least, but there are two notable interior changes to tell you about. The first is a fabric dashboard piece rather than the wood trim piece that the black interior model Y has had up until now and the addition of RGB accent lighting on the dashboard, but only on the dashboard, not the doors as well. In this case, these changes are very clearly intended to try and keep the model Y from, from just looking a little stale next to the new model Y that's now, rolling out in China. The fabric dashboard accent, I would bet lunch is cheaper for Tesla than the wood trim piece that it replaces. Although the RGB lighting is an additional part. I've been talking this week about how, you know, giving examples of how Tesla loves to delete parts. Well, in this case they are adding one with the RGB accent lighting on the dashboard It's also an additional cost, obviously, as well, not just an additional part. So, again, two things there that Tesla normally does its best to avoid. Now, if you're wondering where on the, again, existing Model Y dashboard that this RGB accent lighting is, it's at the bottom of the dashboard, right on the seam between the base of what is now going to be the new fabric trim piece and that that kind of silver belt line that that comes between the dashboard and then that the black plastic sort of under dash that goes down towards the footwells. Obviously, these are half measures before the full and proper Project Juniper refresh comes along in about a year from now, which of course will no doubt bring over all the other big changes from project highland such as the refreshed interior dashboard new door panels rgb accent lighting on the door panels ventilated seats the new steering wheel the deleted stalks etc so that those are for sure the the screen for the second row of passengers those changes are all 99% locks to come over In from the Highland to the Project Juniper Model Y refresh around, you know, the the back half, back third of next year. But this makes sense right now. It does. I mean, silly as it may sound, you wouldn't want a customer who's looking at the Model 3, meaning in this case, the new Model 3 Highland, to choose the, or excuse me, looking at the Model Y. But you wouldn't want that customer to choose the new Model 3 Highland over the Y, just because of something like the RGB accent lighting that the Y, you know, if the Y didn't have it at all. Now I say that's maybe silly because, you know, it might seem like an odd thing to make your purchasing decision in, in any way in part on, on something like RGB accent lighting, But here's the thing. I I defend that if anybody would be in that thought process, because what do we see the most when we use our cars, Tesla or otherwise? We see the interior. So creature comforts and fun touches like this, like the RGB accent lighting, those things matter. So for the Model Y to at least get the, the customizable RGB strip of lighting, on the dash now, when we still have about a year to go until the f- proper Model Y refresh, well, that that's a good thing for, for Tesla to include for, uh, for customers. Now, as for if or when we might see this mini-refreshed Model Y over here in the United States, well, typically, we've seen changes that are initiated at Giga Shanghai, like, say, when the dashboard trim was extended to the front quarter of the front door panels. If you, you, if you can just, all you gotta do is take a look at the design studio if you're not, not picturing what I'm talking about. But like when that change was made to the interior, it followed in Fremont for the US cars about three months later. So we'll see if that holds here, although now Tesla will have to follow suit in not just the Fremont factory, but also Giga Texas and Giga Berlin. All right, finally this week, no, not finally, there's two more stories. Man, busy news week, and I've already been talking for an hour. A really interesting Tesla energy-related story out of Vermont, where a Vermont utility plant wants to end power outages by giving customers batteries. This story comes via the New York Times, which I was given a heads up to by listener Brian Cochran. So Brian, thank you so much. And the New York Times writes, many electric utilities are putting up lots of new power lines as they rely more on renewable energy and try to make grids more resilient in bad weather. But a Vermont utility is proposing a very different approach. It wants to install batteries at most homes to make sure its customers never go without electricity. The company Green Mountain Power proposed buying batteries, burying power lines and strengthening overhead cables in a filing with state regulators. It said its plan would be cheaper than building a lot of new lines and power plants. The plan is a big departure from how US utilities normally do business. Most of them make money by building and operating power lines that deliver electricity from natural gas power plants or wind and solar farms to homes and businesses. Green Mountain, a relatively small utility serving 270,000 homes and businesses, would still use that infrastructure but build less of it by investing in television-sized batteries that homeowners usually buy on their own. Quote, Call us the unutility," Mary McClure, Green Mountain's chief executive, said in an interview before the company's filing. We're completely flipping the model, decentralizing it. Green Mountain's plan builds on a program it has run since 2015 to lease Tesla home batteries to customers. Its filing asks the Vermont Public Utility Commission to authorize it to initially spend $280 million to strengthen its grid and buy batteries, which will come from various manufacturers. Well, clearly they've done the math on this, and you know what? It makes perfect sense. Because it leverages existing technology that has become normalized here, largely thanks to Tesla, over the last five to seven-ish years, which, as Ms. McClure mentioned there, the idea being to decentralize things, which is not unlike the virtual power plant functionality that Tesla has piloted in Texas and in California. So hopefully it works out well in Vermont, and I suspect it will, because on paper it sure seems like it should, because then hopefully other states, both big states and small states, will take a similar approach. Now, granted, not all utility companies are, if you'll pardon the phrasing, wired that way, but just like police departments have started to come around on EVs and specifically Teslas in their police cruiser fleets because the economics of it just make too much sense. So too might that happen with the established entrenched utility companies as well. Finally, this week we end on a fun note, a fascinating data thread on X by Bloomberg EV reporter, Tom Randall on Tesla's dominance. I'm going to read you Tom's entire thread because it is awesome. Now, it, it, for, to give Tom a little more credit than just what I'm about to read to you, he also included a bunch of neat charts in this as well, which obviously I can't show you on a podcast. But you'll get the idea from his text explanation here. He writes, After a decade of being trounced by Tesla, this was supposed to be the year that traditional automakers finally put up a fight for electric cars. It hasn't turned out that way. In the US, Tesla has been expanding production as fast as all of its competitors combined. Tesla accounts for 61% of fully electric cars ever sold in the US, making it more dominant in EVs than Apple is in smartphones. At the start of the year, Tesla's base Model Y cost $20,000 more than the average selling price of a new car in the US. This week, The Model Y is $4,000 below that benchmark. It's on track to be the best-selling car in the world for 2023. Tesla has only one real EV competitor in the world right now, China's BYD. In 2009, while Tesla was gluing together batteries in Silicon Valley for its electric roadsters, BYD was building electric buses in Hunan Province. BYD didn't become dominant in China until it decided in 2021 to stop making cars without plugs. That allowed it to focus entirely on EVs and what was needed for their success. Within two years, it dethroned Volkswagen as the best-selling car brand in China. Tesla is now the top-selling car brand of any type in California, the biggest U.S. market. As Volkswagen CEO Thomas Schaefer put it quote, the house is on fire and now comes the truck wars. Pickups are a minority share of sales, but a majority of automaker profits love it or hate it. Tesla's Cybertruck is a swing for the fences and legacy automakers seem wholly unprepared for the possibility that it connects. Ultimately, The EV truck wars will be one on cost. And right now, Tesla is so far ahead on EV cost that it's becoming a problem. Scale begets efficiency, begets scale. The same virtuous cycle that empowered the auto gatekeepers of the last century is now their biggest threat. Fantastic data-driven analysis by Tom here. Thank you very much to Tom Randall. I don't know if you're listening, Tom. In short, at least this is my interpretation of Tom's thread there, it is going to be Tesla in the EV space and everyone else fighting for scraps for the foreseeable future. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing. In fact, I have one devil's advocate theory to share here. It's probably wrong and as I like to say, I hope I am wrong about this, but stick with me for a minute. What if, what if Tesla's aggressive price cuts this year are so aggressive that they actually manage to have the opposite intended effect on the EV movement? Meaning that instead of forcing the legacy automakers to get better and get cheaper, that they instead just throw up their hands and say, forget it, we can't compete, we're gonna back off this whole EV thing for now, and we're just gonna double down on gas-powered vehicles and hybrids. Now, I say that recognizing fully that it would be an incredibly short-sighted way to go, but as I think most of you would agree, It's not uncommon for CEOs of major companies in America to focus primarily on the near term or the next quarter and just delivering good numbers to their shareholders so that those CEOs get paid their fat bonuses. Most CEOs, again, I think most of you would agree, are not like Elon Musk where they have the long-term vision for this kind of stuff. So while yes... In that scenario, taking the quote-unquote easy way out and just going back to ICEs, hybrids, that would be a death sentence. I agree completely with you on that. But I'm just not optimistic that the average major automaker CEO cares. I think that they just wanna get as many good quarters in and get as many fat bonuses in their pockets as they can before they inevitably get shown the door as their numbers inevitably go from bad to worse. So again, this is a totally crazy theory. I recognize that, but I do think it's based in a plausible reality. Hopefully we will not see any, this happen at all. Hopefully this is completely fantasy and this isn't going to happen. I know the U S government is really trying to push EVs with By funding a lot of charging, you know, charging infrastructure and the course, the the Inflation Reduction Act tax credit. So the government is getting behind EVs. So hopefully that plus just customers desiring EVs will force the non Tesla automakers to continue pressing forward, even as Tesla squeezes them by lowering its prices and and making it basically impossible to make as good of a car, let alone a better one, for the same money or less that Tesla is. Something to keep an eye on as time goes on. All right, that is a whole lot of news to have talked about for this week. Uh, I will, I guess, need to kick the can down the road on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I do apologize because I... I do appreciate that you, a lot of you take the time to call in. I have a lot of great phone calls queued up. They're teed up. They're here. They're right in front of me. But it's already been an hour and almost 12 minutes here. And I do want to be respectful of your time and not make this some three-hour marathon, except in, like, super special circumstances, right? Like, I remember the Model 3 delivery of, excuse me, the unveiling of the Model 3, back in the aforementioned March 31st, 2016. That was like a two-hour episode. And maybe the I could easily see the Cybertruck launch event that's coming up at some point soon. I could see that being a really long episode, but for now, I do, generally speaking, want to be respectful of your time. So I will wait on the Ride the Lightning, Hot, Ride the Lightning Hotline calls uh, for another day. But if you do want to call in, If you've got something to say, something in reaction to one of the stories this week or just a question that's come to mind that's Tesla related, you can call me in one of two easy ways. Now, in either case, please try to keep your call to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. So the two ways to call in are either using your smartphones built in. Boy, I've really I'm about ready to wind down here. It's quite late and I'm, I'm starting to lose my ability to speak clearly. <laughs> but anyway, you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record that 90-second or less question and email me, email it to me at teslapodcast at or just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number that you can dial anytime is one 888 989 8752. Again, that's one 989 I'm not quite done with this podcast, though. I've got a bit more to tell you about, plus a pro tip of the week coming up right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. As for what's going on with me and my car, I had it in my notes here to tell you about the right repeater camera installation at this part of the show, but I did that at the beginning, so I guess I don't have to do that. Instead, I will give you an entertainment recommendation. This one, to be clear, is 100% not family appropriate, but it's been really fun so far as an adult-only show, and it's Gen V. On prime video, it is a spin off of what is, in my opinion the very fantastic and very dark superhero show, the Boys it's on prime video uh, if I didn't already mention that, and it's very good so far it's I guess the fifth fifth episode goes up tonight in fact i'll I'll probably put that on as I go to bed after I finish this since it's Thursday. but uh, yeah, check it out if I guess if you haven't watched the Boys already. Maybe, I mean, it's The Boys is awesome, so check that out. But if you have watched The Boys and aren't familiar with this spinoff, give it a look. All right, anyway, pro tip of the week time. Here's Adam from Michigan.
1: Hey, Ryan, this is Adam from Michigan. Thanks for the podcast. Listen to you, I uh, cruise around the state on autopilot. Um, one pro tip I have that I used just today, if you have kids like I do, and you probably have a lot of stuff in the back of so your Model Y, which is what you drive, that sometimes you uh, are loading up the back of the car, you hop in, push the closed trunk button, and something is in the way. Usually it's something soft, a blanket, a stuffy, something like that. Uh, And rather than having to get out and go to the back and push it down, I found that if you tap the button, uh, the closed trunk button, twice, so it goes up a little bit and then tap it again, it closes a little bit harder. And I would say 80% of the time, it closes fully that way. So it's kind of like putting that extra little push on the top, not having to get out once you get everybody settled in the car. Um, not sure if that's a known pro tip or not, but uh, hopefully it helps the people out there I know it's helped me. Thanks.
0: Bye. Hey, Adam, thanks for this tip. I've got a manually operated trunk on my Model 3, so this is the 1st time hearing of this, and honestly, it sounds pretty useful to me. I am happy to share this with fellow parents out there or just folks who end up having a lot of stuff in the back of their Model Y. I appreciate the call, Adam. Thank you so much. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, you can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline calls, the instructions for which I gave you just a few minutes ago. Before I hit the road, let me mention some friends of the podcast who hopefully can be of use to you sooner, if not later. First up, abstractocean.com. Go there, take a look at all the awesome aftermarket accessories they have, such as the rear footwell lighting kit, which I definitely recommend for you Model Y owners, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, if that might be of interest, the fourth generation tempered glass screen protector. That's a pretty awesome product for all the Teslas as well. All that and so much more at abstractocean.com. You can sort by whichever Tesla you have so that it just shows you all the stuff that fits your car. So pile everything you like into your shopping cart, and when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. The snap Plate and SnapPlate Plus which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that I recommend if you either need by law or want to have a front license plate bracket, a front license plate on your Tesla because the one that Tesla gives you sticks literally via automotive adhesive. So if you ever wanted to take it off for any reason, it's gonna leave behind a really nasty tape residue. So get the SnapPlate or SnapPlate Plus because they are nice, clean, minimalist design. They uh, are safety optimized with breakaway features to sacrifice itself in a worst case scenario, such as a parking accident or car wash. Or the SnapPlate Plus is strength optimized and designed not to break. It, it is designed for maximum strength to, uh, to not ever break. Both both are that nice minimalist aesthetic that blends in nicely with the Tesla front end and both are made from recycled made in the USA plastics with stainless steel reinforcements. Get yours at everyamp.com/rtl and for a discount there use the new coupon code RTL. budgetsafesolar.com. They offer home battery storage as well as the solar panels. So if, if you want to get the whole kit and caboodle, Budget Safe Solar can take care of you. You will almost certainly check out Tesla Solar first, as I did. But if for whatever reason Tesla Solar doesn't work out, you you know it's something where you're going to want to probably shop around to a lot of different solar providers. Not necessarily just Tesla, not just Budget Safe. But give Budget Safe Solar a look at BudgetsafeSolar.com and they, like I said, they took great care of me. Um, my wife and I are very happy with our solar installation. We've got the highest octane panels we can get because we don't have a lot of room on our roof. So we w- we needed to get as much power as we could with as few panels as we as our roof could could handle. And I'm pretty happy with the results so far. My last electric bill, which came through yesterday. Hold on, let me pull this up because this was almost hilarious. It, it was kind of humorous. It's, uh, let's see here. Let me just find it. It is, I know I'm dragging down the show right now. Here it is, $11.42. And that's all from like the minimum fee. There's uh, My utility has like a minimum fee just to be plugged into the grid. I don't know if that's a common thing or, or what. But anyway, it's kind of nice to have a $11 <laughs> energy bill. That feels pretty good. Uh, and all the credits that I've been building up all summer should come back here as uh, as the the sun gets less and less, spends less and less time in the sky each day as we get towards winter. Uh, and those credits I've been building up should hopefully mean that everything flattens out where, where you know, I'm supposed to have 100% offset. So that's that's what we're going to find out here as I go into my first full full turn through the calendar. I guess I've we've had the panels now since... Well, February, they got turned on, so yeah, we're we're getting there. We're like two-thirds of the way or so through our first year. Anyway, if you do end up proceeding with a solar installation from BudgetsafeSolar.com, I kindly ask that you use the referral code RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections. I mentioned them earlier in the Tesla rap story. Tesla now offering their own paint protection film options. But certainly, Immaculate Reflections is there to do uh, whatever it is you like with your car, whether it is paint protection film on maybe just the front, just to get those kind of the key high-impact areas. Uh, Or you could do the whole car, certainly, which is what I did. You could also do paint correction. Tesla doesn't offer that service. There's also ceramic coating which is nice too, because then you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Any of that, all of that, if you and your car are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, go to the website, irdetailing.com, and when you get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections through the website, just mention in your message that you are a Ride the Lightning listener, and Jeff will kindly offer you the Ride the Lightning listener discount, which is super nice of him to do. PureTesla.com slash RTL. That is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. Free shipping anywhere in the US. The 128 gigabyte kit is 49 bucks. The 256 gigabyte kit is $69. It's plug and play. Take it straight out of the package. Plug it right into your car works with Mac or PC when you want to take the the system out, the, the USB device out there and uh, view the footage or, you know, do anything with it on your computer. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but as I said, that is the way the through which you can support the podcast. It is purely voluntary, but my hope is that at some point after you've, been listening and hopefully enjoying the podcast for a while that you will say, okay, Ryan, yes, you mentioned this Patreon thing every week. This is the week I'm going to support you. You can do that by visiting my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. What is that? That's like a, a, a tall, at, at uh, Starbucks because I don't I don't drink coffee I don't know what it's tall and verde or grande or I don't know what the sizes are I know I'm I'm embarrassing myself with my lack of Starbucks knowledge right now but anyway the point is for just five bucks a month you can very kindly and generously support my efforts here on Ride the Lightning because as you know and I've g- we've got the receipts to prove it this podcast comes to you for free. Every single Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. And I take a lot of pride in making sure that happens. You know, it's uh it's not always easy, but I, I always do my best and knock on wood, I've I've always been able to make it happen. So uh, if at some point along the way you see it in your heart to support me, patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast is the place to do it. Again, that $5 base tier that'll get you early access to each week's episode. If you step it up to that popular $10 per month tier, that will get you early access to each week's episode and access to all of those lightning round mini episodes that I do every week on Patreon as well. Follow me on X and or Instagram. It's the same handle on both of those social media networks. DMC underscore Ryan. And yes, thanks to the many of you that messaged me on either of those platforms or email, which my email, by the way, if you want to email me, is Teslapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to the many of you that that uh, sent me the story about the 970-mile barn find DeLorean this week. It's been sitting for gosh knows how long. It was pretty filthy. Like it was, it had clearly not been moved, but you know, the beauty part of a DeLorean is because of that stainless steel body, the car can have sat for 30 plus years and it's still fine. I mean, it's it's literally like in back to the future part three when doc buries the DeLorean in the, in the wall in the, in that like mine. And then in 1955, Doc and Marty dig it out and it's been encased for like 80 years in the, in the wall and the car is fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's not that it's obviously this barn find is going to need a lot of work. Like every rubber piece, the whole fuel system is going to, but the point is like a barn find DeLorean can not only be restored to perfection, it can be restored and be on the road as a perfectly great car. And now in this case with, under a thousand miles on it, part of me hopes that this car never gets miles put on it, that that it does get restored lovingly and respectfully, and then is maybe displayed as a museum piece, but we'll see what happens with it. So thanks to everybody that, uh, that reached out via email or social media and sent me that story. And then uh, my referral link, if you need it, hopefully you don't, because you've got a friend, family member, coworker, somebody in your life where if you're going to order a new Tesla, you can use their referral code and get the what is it now? It's $250 discount on the car and 3 free months of supercharging. But if you just if you don't have anybody and you just need a referral code, well, feel free to use mine. What you do is you type this into your web browser, ts.la/ ryan 73014 that will take you to the tesla design studio with that referral code baked in so you place your order for whichever car you're gonna get and you will then get that 250 and fifty dollar discount and those three free months of full self-driving finally i want to say hello and thank you to the plaid maximum plaid and roadster in space to your backers I'll start with the grandfathered-in plaid level folks this week. As I usually mention here, this tier is no longer officially supported, but the folks I'm about to mention kindly continue to pledge at that tier, and so I am more than happy to grandfather them in and continue offering them all the perks that that they deserve for, for very generously backing me at that plaid level. So thank you very much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin-ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Next, a big thank you goes out to the Maximum Plaid backers. And as I mentioned earlier, last weekend was our Maximum Plaid Zoom hangout that we do once a month for anybody at the Maximum Plaid tier or higher. And once again, we had an awesome conversation there was plenty to talk about, as uh, as there seems to always be. It was it was uh, good times on that uh, hangout. And by the way, if you're in the maximum plaid tier and you couldn't make it or 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 what have you, the recording, the MP3 recording of the hangout is always posted on Patreon as soon as it's over. So you can go take a look on the Patreon page for that. But for now, I want to thank the maximum plaid backers. They are. Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nessel wrote Justin Perez Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, contactonecallcenter.com. Oh, I skipped ahead. Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalen, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, Dustin Hart, and Michael Gallo. And finally, a big thank you goes out to the Roadster in Space tier backers, the extra generous folks backing me at the highest tier of the Patreon. Thank you to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, and Robert from near Philly. I guess Robert from near Philly, I should congratulate your Philadelphia Phillies, who just prior to my recording, clinched their spot in the National League Championship Series to face off against the Cinderella's my team. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in the National League Championship Series after sweeping the the big brother that always beats us up every year, the Los Angeles Dodgers. We are certainly, the odds will not be in the Diamondbacks' favor. I mean, the Dodgers were a tough team. The Phillies, or if it had been the Braves, those are both phenomenal teams as well. But hey, that's why it's baseball The baseball playoffs are maybe more than any other sport, a crapshoot. So the Diamondbacks are playing really well right now. We'll see what happens. You know, even if the Diamondbacks get swept by the Phillies, just knocking off the Dodgers is is sweet enough for this long-suffering Diamondback fan. The Diamondbacks haven't made it this far since 2007, They've only ever won one World Series championship ever. That was the legendary 2001 World Series. So, uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of reasons to cheer in October in a long time as Diamondback fans. So to my fellow Diamondback fans out there, let's go D-backs. Let's embrace the chaos. And we'll see. We'll see how the NLCS goes. You never know. You just never know. That's the fun part about baseball. All right. All right. Uh, that is it for me. This has been a very, very long episode of ride the lightning. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun recording it. It's funny. You know, I get going with all within, I've got all my notes and I'm just getting into the topics and having fun just talking about it. And then I look up at my recording software and it's like, oh my gosh, I've been talking for an hour and 11 minutes. So, uh, it, it was a surprise to me of <laughs> how long this show ended <laughs> up being, but, Um, I'm happy. I'm very happy with how this show turned out. At least I feel good about it now. As I, as I come to the end of the recording, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you made it, as I like to say, if you made it this far, odds are you enjoyed it (laughs) to some degree, but thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Your time is valuable. Your attention is valuable. You've got so many things vying for your attention these days, whether it's TV shows, movies, video games, live sporting events. Or uh, or what have you? There's you know, lots of great books out there. Um, now that I've finished the the Musk biography, I'm I'm back. I've got I've got uh, three more books that are in my queue right now. I'm gonna try and finish. I'm gonna try and finish John Romero's autobiography. If you if you're a gamer, you might know who John Romero is. He's he's one of the designers. Well, he's like the designer. One of the developers of the original Doom from 1993 and Quake. After that, which are, you know, two not only hugely successful, but hugely influential games. And his story has been really interesting. I did not know that he grew up in Arizona, down in southern Arizona. Anyway, I will stop talking here and just say thank you one more time. Wish you happy electric motoring. And I'll see you back here next week for the big earnings call episode is the Cybertruck launch event gonna get announced at the earnings call next Wednesday. I know I got just, I I was just talking, I think it was on the lightning round. I was talking about how they typically give one week notice on events. The events are usually on Thursdays. So it stands to reason that they might announce it the previous Thursday. But you know, in this case, it is entirely possible, if not even maybe probable, that Tesla will at the earnings call on Wednesday, announce the delivery date, announce the date for the Cybertruck launch event, which if that were to be the case, it would probably mean that the event would be on Thursday, the 26th. So if they announce it on the earnings call next Wednesday, October 18th, it would likely mean October 26th for the launch of the Cybertruck. We'll see. It may easily not happen if the truck's not quite ready. They're still doing shakedown stuff. Who knows, but keep an eye. All I'm saying, keep an eye. The earnings call is a a golden opportunity if they're ready to go to have an extra big pop of news by announcing the launch, the delivery event at the earnings call. So happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week.